You're listening to the Grace Covenant East Lincoln Audio Podcast. Well, take out your Bibles and turn to um, Judges chapter 13. We were there last weekend, and we're going to start there again this weekend. Um, Last weekend, we began to take a look at the life of Samson. And as we did, one of the greatest takeaways was that uh, when we look at the, the life of Samson, we recognize that God supernaturally brought about his birth for a very specific purpose, that he would take the lead uh, in delivering Israel from the hands of the Philistines. Um, and while he was not a complete failure, he never fully lived up to his God-given destiny. Um, he allowed his character to compromise his calling. And that's what, what we want to continue to talk about today. Um, last weekend, we looked at uh, Judges chapter 13, first five verses. Today, we're going to look at Judges chapters 13, uh, verses 24 and 25, and then the first four verses in uh, chapter 14. So I want to read those to you, and then we'll talk about it a little bit, okay? Um, beginning in chapter 13, verse 24, it says, The woman, being Samson's mom, the woman gave birth to a boy and named him Samson. He grew, and the Lord blessed him. And the Spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he was in Manah, Dan, between Zorah and Estol. Chapter 14. Samson went down to Timnah and saw there a young Philistine woman. When he returned, he said to his father and mother, I have seen a Philistine woman. Now get her for me as my wife. His father and mother replied, Isn't there an acceptable woman among your relatives or among all of our people? Must you go to the uncircumcised Philistines to get a wife? But Samson said to his father, Get her for me. She's the right one for me. And then in verse 4, it says, His parents did not know that this was from the Lord who was seeking an occasion to confront the Philistines, for at that time they were ruling over Israel. And I want to go ahead and say, because that verse can cause a little bit of um, uh, controversy or contradiction, because we're saying he didn't fully fulfill, live out his destiny. But then right here it says that uh, the Lord was using this. And, that, and it doesn't mean that God was condoning the bad choices that Samson was making, but yet he was willing and able to use those to uh, bring about the plan. Okay, so I'll just go ahead and say that now. So um, I think that it would be accurate for us to say that Samson was empowered by the Spirit, yet uh, he was dominated by his flesh. His flesh seemed to continue to, w- to win out. And I, I, I think it would be safe to say that even though Samson had this tremendous physical strength, I mean, it was unfathomable physical strength, he lacked um, inner strength and, and he, he, lacked, he lacked character. Um, as we look at his life in chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, this becomes very obvious because um, his life was kind of one train wreck after the other. I mean, it was just continuous, just bad choice after bad choice after bad choice. Um, I think uh, it would be safe to say that Samson's life is actually a living example uh, of a great spiritual truth, a great spiritual reality. And that spiritual truth, that spiritual reality is that it is possible to have great God-given ability and potential and still be very spiritually immature. 
And because this was true, again, this is revealed throughout Samson's life. Um, because this was true of Samson, when we look at his life in chapters 13, 14, 15, and 16, um, and we begin to look at um, his failure, it can become a painful experience in reading and learning about it because it's very possible that we could see aspects of his failure represented in our life. You hear what I'm saying? We might not be as bad, but we can see aspects of his failure that might surface in, in our life. So what do these verses that I've read tell us uh, about Samson's life? Well, if you go back to verse, uh, chapter 13, verse 25, it says, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him. And that phrase, began to stir him, means that uh, the spirit began to move, began to thrust, to began to propel him towards his God-given destiny. Um, and it appears that this happened in his younger years, in his youth, so we can conclude that Samson actually got off to a really good start. Um, uh, but then we get to chapter 14. And in chapter 14, verse 1, not in the translation I read today. I read from NIV, but in many translations, chapter 14 will start with the word then. And that word then sets us up for a sequence of events that are getting ready to occur in Samson's adult life. And one of the first uh, events that we, that we read about in chapter 14 is that Samson uh, leaves his home. He goes to Timnah. And he sees a woman that he wants to be his wife. But there's a little bit more to that. Samson leaves his home. He goes to Timnah, which is in Philistine territory. Remember, he's been called to take the lead in um, delivering Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. But he goes to Philistine territory, enemy territory. He sees not just a woman, but a Philistine woman. And he says, get her for me. I want her to be my wife. So let's think about this. God's specific purpose for Samson was that he would take the lead in delivering Israel from the oppression of the Philistines. And his parents were very aware of this um, because they were given that announcement before he was ever born. So in the midst of this, they began to uh, reason with him because he's left his home, he's left his friends, he's left his family. And one of his first official acts as this one who's to take the lead is to, to spot out, spy out a Philistine woman to be his wife. So his parents begin to reason with him. And as they reason, because again, they knew what he was called to do. As they begin to reason to him, they say, Samson, are you sure this is the right woman for you? I mean, she's a Philistine. Is it necessary that you would take a Philistine as your wife? Is there not someone among our family? Is there not someone among our friends who would, who would somehow be better suited and he said, get her for me. She's the one I want. So what we understand from this is that while Samson should have been thinking about going to war against the enemy, instead he's thinking about going to a wedding, his own wedding with a woman from the Philistines who was the enemy. It's just, it's just all mixed up. And so what it tells us is that Samson was an incredibly strong man, but he had a dangerously weak will. 
He had a dangerously weak will. Uh, again, they tried to reason with him. He says, get her for me. She's the right one for me. And so, in all honesty, Samson was driven by his own selfish desires. And he put his selfish desires above God's plan for his life. I mean, think about it again. Samson leaves his home. He leaves his friends. He leaves his family. He goes to Timnah. And he sees this woman and he falls in love with her, right? That's not what it says. There's nothing about love in this passage. He sees this woman and he says, she's the one for me. Get her for me. There's nothing in that story that says that Samson went to Timnah and he saw this woman in the distance and he thought, wow, she's really beautiful. And then he met somebody and he said, do you know who that beautiful lady is over there? Uh, oh, could you introduce her to me? And so he meets her and they begin to spend time together. And over time, he falls in love with her heart and her wit and everything about her. No, that's, that's not part of the story. There's, there's nothing like that in there. He saw her. His drawing to her was based purely on physical appearance. And so what we understand is that uh, Samson was allowing his life to be ruled by lust. And eventually that lust ruined his life. You know, last week we looked at Samson in um, Hebrews chapter 11. And in verse 32, we saw where uh, he's listed as one of the heroes of faith in, in, in verse 32. And so uh, what we know about that is, okay, so he was, a, he was one of the heroes of faith. That tells us he was a man of faith. But when we look at the story, we have to conclude he wasn't a faithful man. Because faithfulness has to do with obedience. Um, so this is causes me to think, it caused me to think this week, I think it's applicable here. Um, when you think about your life, hopefully uh, you don't have the kind of extremes that Samson had. Samson's life was just a series of extremes. Hopefully, you don't have the same kind of extremes he had, but is it possible when all of us look at our lives, are there times, are there situations, are there places where we're putting our own selfish desires above God's plan for our life? And if so, then what are we going to do about it? I think we have to stop and think about it. And if that's true, what are we going to do about it? The second thing these verses tell us about Samson's life is Samson was very emotionally immature. And as a result of his emotional immaturity, he allowed his life to be driven by his emotion rather than the stirring of the spirit that he had really experienced early in, in, his, in his youth. And so because of that, um, he, he found himself in this series of highs and, and, and lows, uh, you know, one minute he would be um, filled with lust and then he would be filled with anger and then he would be filled with lust and then he would be filled with anger and then he would be filled with lust and he would be filled with anger and then he would be ready to go out and fight the enemy and then you'd find him flirting and even having sex with a prostitute. And it was just this series of highs and lows and highs and lows. He was constantly reacting, responding to his emotion rather than the direction of God. 
He, and so I said earlier, he, was, he allowed his life to be ruled by lust, but I think equally he allowed his life to be ruled by his emotions. Let me ask you, are, are our emotions bad? No, our emotions are bad. So this isn't to discount emotion. Um, if you think about it, when we read throughout the Bible, we see God express emotion. We see joy and compassion and grief and anger. And those are just a few of the emotions that God has. And then we, um, we recognize that God made us in his image. And so if God made us in his image, he made us to have emotion. But in having that emotion, we have to learn to live that emotion out in balance. We can't allow our life to be driven by unhealthy emotion. You see, Samson uh, was driven by his emotion. And the problem is he never did anything about it. And so instead of him controlling his emotions, his emotions controlled him. And it got him into a lot of trouble. So here's another point of application for us. Where are you at in your emotional maturity? Are your emotions purely driving your life, your decisions, your choices? And if so, what are you going to do about it to bring your emotions into check? And the only way we can bring our emotions into check is that if we allow our emotions to be nurtured by the Spirit of God through the Word of God. And then we bring them into balance. And I actually believe that God can use our emotions to help us hear, have clarity in hearing His voice when they're in check, when they're in balance. I believe that God can use our emotions to help us uh, discern direction in our life when they're in check, when they're in balance. But again, they have to be nurtured by the Spirit. We have to submit our emotions to the Holy Spirit so that He could then work as the, our emotions are nurtured through the Word. So, what happened? How did Samson get to this place? I, I, I mean, we, we recognize that early on in his youth, he was stirred by the Spirit. The Spirit was moving him to have a passion for the deliverance of Israel. But then we read in chapter 16, verse 20, and it says, but he did not know that the Lord had left him. So what happened? What happened between here, the stirring, and this place where he didn't even know that the Lord had left him? Well, here's what I can tell you. Um, Samson didn't ruin his life all, all at once. Instead, it was one bad choice after the other. Let me say that again. He did not ruin his life all at once. It was simply one bad choice after another. He chose to go down to Timnah. He chose to uh, be married to a Philistine woman. He chose to engage with a prostitute. He chose to have sex with her. He chose to be with Delilah. Those were his choices. And ultimately, his series of poor choices caught up with him. And the same is true for you and I. We're, we're called to make right choices that are, that are driven by the Spirit, that are led by the Spirit, that come through the revelation of the Word. And when we allow ourselves to um, 
make a series of bad choices. Let me, let me just put it this way. A, a person doesn't just wake up one morning and say, you know, today I think I'm going to go have an affair on my wife or my husband. It typically doesn't happen that way. A person doesn't wake up one day and say, you know, today when I go to work, I think I'm going to embezzle hundreds of thousands of dollars from the company. It starts with one small bad choice followed by another and another and another and another with each one getting bigger and bigger and bigger. You see, our true north is towards the cross, towards Jesus. And it only takes being off one degree to start off course. And that's why it's necessary that we always stay focused on the work of Christ, that we are new creations in Christ. My identity is in Christ. It's not in my old lifestyle. It's not in my bad choices. But instead, I, we're called to make good and right godly choices that are spirit-driven. That choices, that's the key, driven by the spirit. So often we want to, um, we want to blame our failures or our train wrecks in our life on somebody or something else. But in reality, there's really no one to blame but ourselves. In other words, we can become and oftentimes are our, our own worst enemy. So I can't stress it enough. It boils down to choice. We can have a mindset like Samson that says, um, if it feels good, I am going to do it. I'm going to cater to my selfish desires. Or if someone does me wrong, I am going to get revenge. Or instead, we can do what we find in Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 17. Uh, that we choose not to live by the flesh, but instead we choose to be filled with the Spirit. We make that choice. And when we will make that choice, life is completely different. Because we have to remember that we've overcome sin and death because Jesus overcame sin and death. We have been given what we need to make the right choices. We choose to live by the Spirit not flesh. So uh, let me ask you as I begin to close this, um, what kind of choices are you making? Just think about it. What kind of choices are you making? Are you making good godly choices or are you making choices based on your own selfish desires? Um, are, are, you, are you living more according to your selfish desires rather than God's plan for your life? And if so, if any of this is true, what are we going to do about it? I include myself. What are we going to do about it? Are we going to continue off course, making wrong choices, or are we going to choose to live by the Spirit? It's possible to do it because of the work of Jesus Christ that we celebrated and that we remembered today. That Jesus Christ came to earth for us and he became the acceptable payment, God's payment for our sin. God did it for us because we couldn't do it ourselves. And because he hung on the cross, he went to the grave, and three days later, he rose from the dead. We identify with him through our faith. And so because of that, we have the ability to make right good and godly choices. And so when we find ourselves 
off the course, then the Bible would say, you just have to simply repent. That's all you have to do. You have to go to God and say, God, I'm off course. And here's how I got there. And I'm sorry. I'm headed in the wrong direction. But repentance is about turning back to the right direction. And, and moving in the direction of our life in Christ. And so if you find yourself today in a, in a bad place because of bad choices, what you have to say is, God, here it is. I repent and today I choose to get back on track with you, to be on the right course. I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my sin. Forgive me of my wrong choices. And then we begin to live in it. Not in condemnation, but we begin to live in it. Would you stand? I want to pray this over us. Father, this pertains to all of us. None of us are excused. We all have the ability because of the flesh that wants to reign in us to get off course, to make wrong choices that ultimately, if they continue, can ruin our lives. We say we don't want that. So today we offer ourselves to you. We offer our failures to you and we ask that you forgive us Forgive us of our sin. Father, today we choose to walk with you. We choose to be filled with the Spirit and not live according to the flesh. Thank you because you empower us with your Spirit so that this is possible. So we offer ourselves right now. And we thank you for the work you're doing. And we pray this in Jesus' name. For more information on Grace Covenant Church, our service times, ministry opportunities, directions, and more, visit us at gracecovenant.org.